Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, especially of the 11th verse. I am the good shepherd. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house, you who are members of our listening audience, it is good, is it not, Christian friends, to be here in God's house this morning, and it is very fine, Christian friends, you who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. I hope that all of you are relaxed and comfortable. As you know, this is the second Sunday after Easter. It has two names in the Christian church. The one name is Misericordia Domini Sunday. And of course, those words are Latin. They are the first two words in the Latin language of the regular intro for the day which began, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. So those words mean that this is the goodness of the Lord Sunday. This Sunday has another meaning and another name, and that is this. It is known as the Good Shepherd Sunday. The ancient gospel lesson for this Sunday that has been read and will be in hundreds of thousands of liturgically Christian churches today is that ancient text that has the great I Am statement of Jesus, that one whereby Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. And that is the text that I have chosen also for this morning. You know, I wonder sometimes whether you and I have ever dug the import of that tremendous statement and that we really understand what Jesus said. Do you realize that Christ stood before the world of his day and he dared to make this I am statement, I am the good shepherd? Do you know what that means? Why he stood before the world and he said, I am the good shepherd. I am that good shepherd that gives the most glorious, the grandest good gifts possible. I am that good shepherd that gives the most glorious gifts second to none. I give the greatest blessings of all in a class by themselves. They are topped by no other gifts. That's what he said. And you and I may say, if that's what he said, when he said, I am the good shepherd, I am the good shepherd that gives the grandest gifts possible, second to none. You and I may say, wasn't he guilty of bragging just a bit? Wasn't he guilty of boasting? Isn't he guilty of exaggerating just a bit to say, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd that gives the grandest gifts in a class by themselves that cannot be topped? They are second to none. Isn't that bragging? We may say unless he could say of himself that he and he alone is the grandest good shepherd. But is he the grandest good shepherd? Is he a good shepherd second to none? Is he a good shepherd that is peerless, that is supreme, that is incomparable, who is absolutely not to be compared with any other good shepherd? You know, it's rather strange. That may sound like more bragging. But he also meant that in that statement, I am the good shepherd. We read it, I am the good shepherd 
the good shepherd that gives the grandest blessing second to none, but he also said, I am. Don't you forget that. I am telling you, I am the good shepherd. In other words, he stands before the world and he says, as the good shepherd, I give you the grandest gift second to none because I and I alone and no one else is the grandest good shepherd. I am second to none. You and I may say, oh, I'd like to believe that, but if I ever heard exaggeration, if I've ever had heard boasting, if I have ever heard bragging, that certainly sounds like it. But the risen Christ today through his word stands before you and me and makes that same tremendous I am statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. I want you to know that I am that good shepherd, that good overseer, that good caretaker that gives you the grandest gifts than which there are no grander because I and I alone am the grandest good shepherd second to none. You may say, did he speak the truth? Or is this bragging? Is this the lie of the age? Thank God that when he faced the world of his day, he told them why he was the grandest good shepherd, the incomparable good shepherd, absolutely to be compared with none other. He was second to none. He was tops. He was supreme. And let's look at those reasons that he mentioned in connection with that tremendous statement. In the first place, Jesus, as the good shepherd tells you and me, he says, I am the good shepherd that giveth his life for his sheep. He says, I am the grandest good shepherd, incomparable. I am second to none. This isn't bragging. This isn't exaggeration. Christ says, I am that one good shepherd that laid down my life for the sheep. And he reminds us as he did them. He says, I'm not like a hired man who takes care of the sheep. And when there is danger, when the wolf comes, he flees. And again, he says, there isn't going to be any skin off of me. And he saves his own life when the wolf comes and destroys the sheep and scatters them. Jesus says, I'm not like a hired one. I am that good shepherd that laid down my life for my sheep. And you may say, well, haven't other good shepherds laid down their life for the sheep? Sure they have. But not in the way in which Jesus laid down his life for us, his sheep. He says, I laid down my life. I giveth my life for the sheep in their stead, in their place, for them as their substitute. And you and I can't understand that language until we stand at Calvary and we begin to understand what does the cross mean who was on the cross? Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who came out of the ivory palaces into this world of sin, who became a human being, born of the Virgin Mary, sinless, and then went to Calvary's cross to die for you and me. That is to suffer eternal death and damnation in hell instead of you and me having to suffer that punishment. That's the meaning of Calvary. He took your place and he took mine. Well, that's why we call it a vicarious sacrifice. 
He laid down his life for you and me. And on the cross, he, the Son of God, said to his Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you are our God of justice, and I know that sinners deserve hell and damnation. Lay on me, therefore, their guilt, and lay on me their punishment, and then have me suffer in their stead. And therefore, you and I don't understand the cross until we stand at Calvary and we say, My good shepherd at the cross, he bore the equal of an eternity in hell for me. He paid the bill in full. He satisfied the justice of his Father. That bill is paid. My guilt has been on him. My punishment was on him. And as my substitute, this good shepherd paid it in full without a balance due. And therefore, he is the incomparable good shepherd. That wasn't bragging. That wasn't braggadocio when he said, I am the good shepherd. He says, because I am the one that laid down my life for my sheep and because he did that for you and me. Therefore, he is that good shepherd that gives us the grandest blessings possible, the forgiveness of sins, deliverance from hell, eternal life. Can you name any blessings that even God Almighty could give beyond that which we have in our God, Jesus Christ? What does the forgiveness of sins mean? Oh, we've got to stop occasionally and look at God's book where our name is there and look at the entry and our page. And without Jesus Christ, think what your page and mine really looks like. On that page without Jesus Christ, there is written every thought that you and I have ever thought contrary to the divine will. How many million do you think are there? There is written every word that you and I have spoken against the divine will. How many things do you think you and I have ever said that are wrong? There is written there every deed that you and I have ever done contrary to the divine will. There is written on the page of your life and mine in God's book every deed of kindness left undone that we might have done. It's a horrible-looking mess, isn't it? And you and I, look, we would, if we could see it, we would be outraged. We would go insane. And the forgiveness of sins through this great good shepherd is this, that he takes his blood when you and I have turned to him in sorrow and have put our confidence in him and accepted him as our good shepherd. He says, I take my blood and I wipe that sheet that has all of the guilt and the punishment and has that verdict of guilty and has that sentence of hell and my blood that I shed on the cross, it washes that page whiter than snow. And not even the indentation marks of what was there written even show. You can't even read the indentation because he says, I remember your sins no more. I blot them out of my mind. Your guilt and your punishment is gone. There is no verdict of eternal death. There is no verdict of damnation. But there is given you forgiveness and there is given you the assurance of eternal life with me in heaven. You and I need to stop occasionally and to say, how in the world could Jesus of Nazareth stand before men of his day and make a tremendous statement, I am the good shepherd, I am the good shepherd that gives the most magnificent gifts, second to none, than which there are no gifts that are greater. He could because he alone is the magnificent good shepherd and there are no greater blessings than forgiveness to be delivered from eternal punishment by a just God in Christ, 
and to have the assurance of eternal life beyond the grave. And when you and I can realize that on this Good Shepherd Sunday, then we ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to believe that statement of Jesus when he stood before the world, that tremendous I am statement, I am the Good Shepherd. And we ought to say to ourselves from this moment on, I will never accuse him of being guilty of bragging, of braggadocia, of exaggeration. Oh, not long ago, one of our own Lutheran theologians, and you know today, if you, if you can't shock people with doctrine that is contrary to the word of God, then there's something wrong with you. And this was his shocker. He said, in a Lutheran mind, he said, I refuse to believe any of the I am statements of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that he ever said them. And you see, the reason for it is this. When you see what they mean, they are tremendous. They are colossal. They are terrific. I am the good shepherd. This man says, how could he have ever said it? He didn't say it. Uh, somebody else has inserted it. But John is the one that gives us this record. John, the beloved disciple, who again came closest to the heart of Jesus. John wrote this gospel about 50 years after Calvary. He was the last of the 12, and these are his memoirs. And when John said Jesus stood before the world, and he said, I am the good shepherd, if Jesus didn't say that, then John is a liar. And if Jesus didn't say it, and if it isn't true, if it's bragging, then Christ is a liar and Christ is an imposter. If he didn't say, I am the good shepherd, then he didn't say anything else that is recorded in Scripture. Oh, to shock individuals. We ought to realize this, that from the mouth of Jesus, when he said, and dared to say it, that tremendous I am statement. I am the good shepherd. I am that good shepherd that gives the grandest gifts second to none because I and I alone am the grandest good shepherd comparable to none. I stand supreme above all other shepherds. There is no one like unto me. And therefore you and I have the comfort. Thank God we've got a good shepherd who loved us to the end. He never bragged. He didn't forsake us. He loved us to the end, as he said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. God died for you and me. Today, the Good Shepherd Sunday, we may say, What a terrific statement to come from Jesus. How in the world could he stand before the world as he does before the world today, this risen Christ? How in the world could he ever say, I am the Good Shepherd. I am the grandest Good Shepherd. I give the grandest gifts because there is no shepherd like unto me. You and I may say, Oh, such bragging, such exaggeration, such boasting. Not at all, because Jesus assures you and me in the second place when he defended himself, he not only said that he was the good shepherd that laid down his life, he says, I am the good shepherd. He says, and I know my sheep as the Father knows me and as I know the Father. You say the grandest good shepherd standing in a class by himself, he is supreme, he has no peer, he is the grandest, the most magnificent good shepherd. There is none like unto him. There is no good shepherd that can be compared with him. Why? The intimacy with which he knows you and me. Can you imagine for the moment what it must mean that he knows you and he knows me as intimately as he knows the Father and as intimately as the Father knows him? Bear in mind, Jesus was no less than God the Son with God the Father from all eternity in the great councils of his heavenly Father before the world began, in the great councils of his heavenly Father, in the creation of the universe, in the great plan of the redemption for mankind, that intimacy 
is tremendous. And Jesus says, and that's the way I know you. Is it any comfort to you and me today to know that Jesus knows us intimately, just as intimately and as personally and as keenly as he knows his Father and as the Father knows him. To me, that is tremendously comforting. You may say, why? Because, frankly, there are times when I don't know myself. Do you? Have you ever probed within yourself and have said to yourself, who am I? God, who am I? Just, oh, who am I? What am I like? Who is the real I? Or who is the real me? Do you know who the real I is in your life? Do you really know? Don't you and I sometimes say, I wonder just when God looks at me and when Jesus knows me intimately, just who am I in his sight? What part of me is my real I. Don't you remember when St. Paul said this in his Christian life, talking as a Christian? He said, the things that I want to do, I don't know why, but I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, and I really don't want to do them, those are the things that I do. And then he cried out, oh, wretched man that I am. Have you ever cried out in wretchedness, oh God, there are some things in my life I don't want to do. Believe me, who is the real I? Oh, when Jesus knows me intimately, then I know this. He knows that the real I is the one I want to be, not the one that I don't want to be. I know that he says, no other gods before me. And I know that in my Christian life, I want to put him first. But I know that there are any number of times when I don't put him first. And I cry out and I wonder, who am I? Am I the one who doesn't put him first? Or am I the one who wants to put him first? Thank God that he understands and he knows that I am the one who wants to put him first. I know that Jesus says to me not to take his name in vain, but I know that even though I don't want to, uh, sometimes I use his name foolishly and I use it needlessly. But sometimes even though I don't want to, my mind gets lost in prayer. I may even fall asleep in the middle of it and I realize that I'm only mumbling words and my heart isn't into it. Haven't you ever felt that? Then I say, oh wretched man that I am, who am I? Am I the one that deliberately doesn't want to pray or am I the one who even though I, I don't want to be like that, but nevertheless again, that I take his name in vain. Thank God I've got a Jesus that says, I know you intimately. You are the one the way you want to be. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I want to go to church because I know it's his will. But I know that even though sometimes, again, I seemingly can't help it, I come to church and I don't listen. It doesn't mean anything. I'm hypercritical. Everything that goes on is wrong. And I walk out of church and I go home and we have roast pasture for dinner. And oh, I, I, I don't want to say those things, but I rip the church up one side and down the other. Who am I, oh wretched man that I am? It's a tremendous thing that I know that I've got a, a good shepherd who says, I know you're the one that you want to be, not the one that against your own will you are at times. Oh, Jesus tells me to honor my parents, and I want to honor them, but there are times when I say, I, I want to honor them, but I, I somehow rather, I, I don't want to treat them like this, but this is the way I'm treating them. And I cry out and say, this isn't the real I. This isn't the real person that I have within me. I want to honor them, and I want to obey them. And when I don't, it hurts, and I cry out as Paul, oh, wretched man that I am, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And the things that I want to do, those are the things that I don't want, that I don't do. And I know my Jesus says that I'm not to kill. 
and yet I find myself against my will hating when people hurt my feelings and I don't want to hate anybody then I find myself and this is horrible I find myself that when misfortune comes to other people that oh I don't want to feel that way but sometimes it gives me a good feeling I'd rather gloat in it I'd rather like it I tell them I'm sorry and I want to feel sorry but I don't I feel glad oh you've never felt that way have you haven't you haven't you? Do you mean to tell me you haven't gloated when somebody you didn't like had misfortune? Don't you ever deny it. I wouldn't deny it, and don't you dare. My Jesus says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, and even though I don't want to, I find that against my will my mind wanders down alleys where it shouldn't be. Then I say to myself, Oh, who am I? Thank God I've got a good shepherd that he looks at me and Again, he knows me and he knows and he tells me I'm the one I want to be, not the one that I am at times contrary to my will. And oh, he tells me not to steal. And then I, I look in my own life and say, I don't want to be a poor steward. Then I, I look at the way I support his kingdom. And oh, I don't want to, but I go home from church and I snarl and I rave and I rant that all the church wants is my money. And I know down in my heart that the only reason I'm saying that because I've got a guilty conscience and I know that I'm a horrible steward of his and I'm ashamed of myself. And that isn't the way I want to be. And I realize that I'm a sham and I don't want to be. And then I say, who am I, Lord? Who is the real me? I don't know myself. But, oh, I've got a good shepherd that says, son, I know you. I know you as intimately as I know the Father and as the Father knows me. You are the one you want to be, not the one you are at times. And, oh, then speaking the truth in love, I think when I, oh, I, I want to tell the truth, but there are times when I don't want to tell the truth when it hurts somebody and when, again, it digs and it cuts them, but I find that I do it, and then I cry out, I don't want to do that. Who am I? But, oh, to have a good shepherd who says you are the one you want to be and you intend to be. It's a comforting event again, coveting. I get jealous and I get angry and I get, oh, feeling of greed. And again, I'm so jealous of individuals that I begin to hate them for what they have and I don't have it. I don't want to be that way. And then I say, who am I? Who am I, Lord? And my good shepherd says, I understand, son. I'll tell you who you are. You are the one you want to be not the one against your will when you don't want to be like that. And then this Christ, this good shepherd who knows me so intimately better than I know myself, he says, I am the good shepherd. I'll give you a tremendous gift. And what is that gift every day? It's a continuous flow of forgiveness. I don't know of anything more comforting than this to know that when I must cry out as did Paul, oh, wretched man that I am, Oh, again, I don't want to be this way, but I find that, again, I do things I don't want to do, and I leave undone the things that I want to do. To know that there is all that blood of his continually flows to me like Niagara Falls, and it comes to me continuously even before I ask. He knows that I need it because he knows my intent in him, and that Niagara Falls blood, oh, it just keeps my soul washed brighter than snow all the time. It never throws me out of grace. I'm never lost in fellowship with him. I am his always, even though, again, he can look into my soul and he knows who I am when I don't know. He knows I am the person I, I want to be, that I really and truly intend to be, not the person that I am sometimes in spite of myself. And I challenge you, you name me a greater blessing 
than the continual flow of his blood that keeps you and me forgiven all the time when we're asleep and when we're awake, even before we call on him and we ask him every day to forgive us those sins and weaknesses, but they are forgiven before we ever ask him. He knows we're going to ask. Then there is that daily flow of his blood and strength for the day, regardless of what comes in temptation, that he says, Son, if you turn to me, I'll give you strength that you'll never deliberately sin, and I'll make you a victor. You know of any greater blessing than this good shepherd brings? I don't. And therefore, again, when he stood before the world of his day, and he said, I am the good shepherd. You and I said, what did he mean? Tremendous. I am the good shepherd, he says, I am the good shepherd that gives you the grandest blessings that you could ever get, second to none. You name something greater than the continual flow of his forgiveness when you and I are wretched and we say, oh, let me be the one that you see that I want to be, not the one that I am. When you and I can believe that this day, then again, we're going to let him take our hand, this good shepherd, we're going to face the future and we're not going to be afraid. How many of us are afraid of tomorrow? I don't know about you, but without Jesus Christ, I'd be scared to death. And I'll admit it. And I don't care who you are. You may say to me, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. Without Jesus Christ, may I say, you lie, friend. You're scared to death. You're like the kid that goes by the cemetery and he whistles in order to try to make himself feel that he's not afraid. But he's scared to death, and that's why he whistles to make some noise. Let me tell you, friend, to face this future that you and I face without the Good Shepherd, if you aren't afraid, you ought to be, and you are. You may say, how do you know I'm afraid? I know you're afraid for this reason, that in our hospitals today, the mounting beds are being taken by soul-sick individuals. Over one in ten hospital beds today right now are occupied by soul-sick people that are afraid, that are afraid, scared of tomorrow. Yet I've got a Christ, this good shepherd, with all power, and he says, let me take your hand. Remember the little boy that was walking down the rough road and he was always falling down and his father said, son, come here. And the son came and the son took his dad's hand and they walked and the boy still fell down on the rugged road. And finally the father said, son, you let me take your hand. When the father took that boy's hand and they walked down that rugged road, that boy didn't fall anymore. When Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, takes your hand and mine, let me tell you, there's nothing to be afraid of, but, oh, God, without him, you can be scared to death. Because only with him, the good shepherd, the incomparable shepherd, the one who understands you and me and knows us better than we know ourselves, he promises you and me a safe journey and a completed mission. I know that in him I don't care what comes. I know that he will give me what I need to support this body in life and I know the mission that he gave me in life will be completed. Why? Because he is the incomparable good shepherd. There is no shepherd like him. That's what he said. And when you and I begin to see what an amazing, what a terrific statement, how Jesus could stand before the world and make an I am statement, I am the good shepherd, men say, why, I never heard such boasting. I never heard such exaggeration. I never heard such bragging. But listen, there's no boasting and bragging and exaggeration there. 
He defended himself when he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd that gives you the most magnificent blessings possible. There are none greater because I and I alone. I am the grandest good shepherd. I am the incomparable good shepherd. There is no good shepherd that can be compared with me. And you and I say such bragging, but Jesus defends himself. He assures us that he is that good shepherd who was concerned not only with the sheep of Israel, but who was concerned also with the sheep of another fold, the Gentile world. He spoke to them that day and he says, I've got other sheep beside you. He wasn't slighting the Jew. He was a Jew according to the flesh. He had come to be the savior of the Jewish fold and he was. But he said, I've got other sheep. He was looking into the future, looking out into the future vista and saying, but there are other sheep, Gentiles. And I have also come to be their good shepherd. And they shall hear my voice and I shall bring them in. This is the good shepherd who, when he laid down his life, he didn't only die for the Jew, he died for the Gentile world. He didn't only die for the Hebrew, he died for the Greek. He didn't only die for the slave, he died for, again, the free man. He, on the cross when he died, that was an all-sufficient sacrifice and a timeless one. It was a sacrifice for all men of all flocks, of all folds, all sheep, and therefore the tremendous blessing, he as the good shepherd gives you and me this, the blessing of hope, regardless of what you are or what I am, regardless of whom you are or who I am, hope. We may say, oh, is there hope for me? Is there hope for anyone, regardless of his sin? Is there hope for anyone regardless of the life that he has lived? Oh, this incomparable good shepherd says, Yes, because I died for all of you. Therefore, I give you this blessing, the blessing of hope. In me there is forgiveness for all men. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That ought to mean this in your life and mine on Good Shepherd Sunday. We ought to determine when this Good Shepherd gives us the grandest gifts, second to none, because he is the grandest Good Shepherd, second to none. We ought to say to ourselves, I ought to share this tremendous Good Shepherd with those in my world, especially those who are ashamed of yesterday. How many of us are ashamed of yesterday? You know, it's rather strange. I have people come to my office, men and women. And they'll sit there and they'll start to tell me about their life, what bothers them to get it off their soul. Then, usually, they will say, I didn't intend to cry. When you see a woman sob and sob, and when you see a man break down and cry, that's something. You're on holy ground. Then you say, why? Then sometimes I say to them as they pour out their heart, what church do you go to? They will look at me rather surprised and say, what church? None. Because no church would have me. Look at my life. I'm ashamed of yesterday. And then, oh God, I say to myself, 
when I stand here in the pulpit on Sunday, God forbid that I should ever give a picture of the church as a place for those who are not ashamed of yesterday. Oh God, if that's it, God forgive me. And I tell them that a better name for the church, a better name for Emmanuel Church would be Emmanuel Hospital. This is a hospital, friend. This is where those who are ashamed of yesterday are welcome and can come. This is a hospital for those who are so ashamed. And if that message doesn't go out from this church, God have mercy on you and on me. This is Emmanuel Hospital. This is the place where when you're ashamed of yesterday, you've got a good shepherd who says, I give you hope. I died for you. You know, when I was riding into Bethlehem one day, it was a beautiful morning. There I, again, we had stopped at the tomb of Rachel, and over here in the distance lay the little village of Bethlehem, and here again, the fields of Bethlehem. And I, I thought of King David, and I thought of David, who again was the shepherd of sheep. And I thought that somewhere here, David, oh, by inspiration of God, he penned that beautiful 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. He knew what it was to have the Lord as his shepherd. Then I thought of David, and I wondered, the man after God's own heart, when he, had, he little realized that he someday would be ashamed of yesterday. He saw Bathsheba, and he sinned with her in adultery. She had a child by him. He had her husband murdered in order to try to cover up. And I often wondered when David realized he was so ashamed of yesterday, how often he went back to something by inspiration he had written. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Everything is all right. And when you and I can share this good shepherd with those of our friends who are ashamed of yesterday, if in the providence of God you and I, like David, should ever be ashamed of yesterday, we'll know where to go. We'll go to the arms of one who stood before the world and who said, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd that gives you the most magnificent blessings second to none, because I and I alone am the grand, magnificent shepherd comparable to none. I give you hope. I give you forgiveness. I am the good shepherd. You and I, being ashamed of yesterday, can go to him and know again that there is forgiveness and we can walk the glory road as David did when he went back. And we can sing, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Everything is all right. Because one day Jesus stood before the world and he made a terrific statement. I am the good shepherd. Hallelujah. What a shepherd. What hope. What joy. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
unto life everlasting. Amen.